Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to Shear Jeshub, a Bible study program brought to you by the fellowship of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and in today's broadcast, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing our study on heavenly authority. At the end of the program, I will be giving you an address where you can contact us. So have a paper and pencil close by. But for now, please open your Bibles and let's go into the study. Today, we'll be continuing in the book of Hebrews. And we're looking at the high priesthood of Jesus. We studied in the background, study in the Old Testament, all about the high priest and the Levitical system and the tabernacle, and we started last time to tie in what that all means to us under the New Testament. Uh, we'll pick up in Hebrews chapter 8. We left off last time in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28, where it says, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath, that's God's oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. In chapter 8, verse 1, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. So we have a high priest so superior to Aaron or to any human being who stands in a religious position to stand before men to present them to God. Remember last week we saw how Jesus perfectly stands for mankind before God as son of man and perfectly represents God to us as Son of God. This is a perfect, holy high priest. This is who we have who sits at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the holies, and the true tabernacle, not the copy that was made in the desert by the hands of the Israelites as Moses instructed them, as God showed him the original and said to make the copy. This is the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. Verse 3, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore it is necessary that this one, this new high priest, also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Whereas on earth, the tribe of Judah, they didn't serve as priests. It was from the tribe of Levi, the descendants of Aaron. And they had these earthly rituals, these ceremonies that they conducted. But when Jesus rises from the dead and enters into the true tabernacle, the uppermost heaven, the true dwelling place of God, as he goes in as our high priest, he offers a better sacrifice. These priests according to the law, verse 5, who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things 
as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises. So he would not be an earthly high priest, but he is our heavenly high priest. And the earthly, notice what the earthly is. When you talk about the Levitical system, we've spoken about the priests and the Levites. We've spoken about the law of Moses. Notice what it is. It's told us right there in verse 5. Who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things. Copy and shadow of the heavenly things. They were a type. They were an example. They were an illustration. They were not the reality itself. You could really not go to the presence of God through the sacrifices made on that altar. That was a copy, a shadow of what would come, what would be fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus. That he would enter the true tabernacle, the true dwelling of God, the uppermost heavens, there to intercede as our high priest, as our mediator. And in so doing, he obtains a more excellent ministry. So the ministry of Jesus in the order of Melchizedek is more excellent than the ministry of Aaron. Inasmuch as he is a mediator, he is a go-between, of a better covenant. So the new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant, which was established, verse 6, on better promises. Better promises, a better covenant, a more excellent ministry. And we're going to see here contrasted the new covenant, the new contract, with the old covenant, the old contract. This we saw last week, verses like verse 18, where it says in chapter 7, For on the one hand there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. In verse 19 of chapter 7, The law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Verse 22 of chapter 7, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. How much better, how much greater, how much more powerful is this new covenant, this new contract in the high priesthood of Jesus as compared to the old contract in the high priesthood of Aaron and his children? You go down to chapter 8 and verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, if we can just stay in the first covenant and that's enough for us, if it was faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Right? If, and this is one of the arguments today when some in Judaism will say, well, the Torah is all we need, the law is all we need. What you call the Old Testament as Christians, that's enough. And really the new covenant is a Gentile adding on to the old. It's not true. And the writer, who is the writer of Hebrews writing to? Hebrews. He's writing to Jews, right? And he's showing from the law itself, from the Old Testament, he says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. You should have no mention in the old of a second, because the first should have been sufficient. 
8, because finding fault with them, he says, and this quote here is from Jeremiah chapter 31. I won't go back there. You can check it yourself after service. Because finding fault with them, there was a problem with the old covenant. No sooner did God give them a law than they broke it. Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. So in the Old Testament, what does it speak about? In the prophet Jeremiah, it speaks about a new covenant. Jeremiah, a Jewish, a Hebrew prophet, in the Jewish Old Testament, speaks about a new contract, different than the old contract. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. They didn't stay in that contract. This new contract is not going to be like that old contract when I brought them out of Egypt. It's not going to be like the law given on Mount Sinai. Verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Notice the house of Israel. This is meant for the Jew. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. A close relationship. I will be their God, and they will be my people. A close fellowship. Not where a law is given and the people have to obey the law in an earthly sense, but one where it's emblazoned on the mind, it's emblazoned on the heart, and the person actually starts to do what's right and is in fellowship with God. None of them, verse 11, shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Notice the foundation of this new contract. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I will be merciful. It's a contract of mercy. It's a contract of grace. It's a contract, a new covenant, a new contract in forgiveness. And in this contract of forgiveness, this new covenant, different than the one on Sinai, no longer will one have to teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord. Remember, that was part of the Levitical uh, responsibility to teach the law. And you had there the people, they come before the tabernacle, and there's this veil that keeps them from going into the tabernacle. And the priests, they can go through the veil, but then there's a veil inside that keeps them from going into the holiest of holies, the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. So there were separations and barriers to God. There was a hierarchy where the priests would have to stand for them before God and then minister the law onto the people. Now in the New Testament, certainly we have teachers, we have pastors. I'm instructing here from the scriptures. But it's not supposed to be a hierarchy where you have this person doing the work for you before the Lord and then turning around and giving you instruction. The only one, the only teacher we have is the Christ. He's the only real teacher. And the promise under the new contract is from the least to the greatest. When a person comes into a direct relationship with Jesus Christ, when 
God is their God and they are the people of God. The Lord will control their lives. The Holy Spirit will teach them. God comes on the inside and from the least to the greatest, a little child can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and enter into the presence of God. That's the glory of the new covenant. We don't need to have those whom we rely on. Certainly God gives different offices, and we'll study that in the New Testament, different offices for ministry, teachers, evangelists, prophets, pastors, etc. And that's for the edifying of the church, to build us up so that we have access to information from the Lord. But each person stands as an individual before God. And the promise is, the better promise, the better contract, is that we have direct relationship to God through Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through any person. We pray that the program was a blessing to you today. God's Word is so rich and full of wisdom, and we hope these studies have increased your knowledge of the author and perfecter of our faith. If you have any comments, or if you feel led of the Lord to help support our church fellowship, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle. That's spelled S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B. Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, come worship the Lord with us. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. <laughs>